Good morning, everybody. Oh, the mic is on. Okay, my name is Didier, and as you can tell, I'm a French speaker. I dream in French, I speak in French, I eat in French. Even I'm speaking now, it's actually French with some English words. So, Fringlish. So, <laughs> if you have your Bible, please open. Please let's find Luke chapter 11. We read verse 1 to verse 4, and then we go to verse 11 to 13. And I think it's up there, and we're reading in the ESV version. Luke 11, 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he, had, he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone who is in debt to us. And lead us not into temptation. Verse 11. For what father among you, if his son asks a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So, this morning, I did something I usually don't do. You know, as a French speaker, we always need to rehearse our text. So, English words. When you stumble on one, you cannot pronounce, you switch. You find another one. So, I didn't do that this morning. Because I was praying, I said, God, what is this that we want to share this morning? And I pray that this morning God may just download something in your heart. Beyond the words, beyond the way we're going to interact and speak about this, that, just, that God just goes in your heart and deposits something that is yours. A word that will change your life. A word that will challenge you. And this is my prayer this morning. Just a big download in your heart. Abraham Lincoln and John Kennedy were both president of the United States. Lincoln was the 16th president. Kennedy was the 35th president. They were many years apart. And probably politically apart. But they had one thing in common. That was the love for the sons. In fact, Ted Lincoln could come to his father in his office anytime and he would stop everything and talk to his kid. Same thing with Kennedy. When Kennedy Jr. came, he actually allowed him to play in a desk in the Oval Office and his wife didn't like it. But Ted Jr. was just playing. John Jr. was just playing everywhere. This is how 
these big men, these fathers, still have that love, attention for the kids. My dad was like that too. My dad, although he stopped being a soldier, many years ago before I was born, he kept that discipline. Throughout the years, he woke up every day at five. Sunday or not, you'll be awake at six. He was a soldier, the way he trained us. But he did one thing every day. When he came back from work, he would sit where we're playing. And we, that's the time. If you had to ask something, that was the time. You can ask anything because he took pleasure in seeing us in the sand and dust and play around. After that, that's too late. You have to wait tomorrow. So I tried to do the same thing with my kids. I have two boys. When they were kids, I usually came and sat. They were not into talking too much. It was wrestling, fight. Just two of them. We fight every day. Until one day, I came late. I was tired. So tired that I, I, I completely forgot about it. I came as usual, sat, and one of them came in front of me, asking, Dad, why are you so late? That was like a, that was like a, a court. I said, what? Explain why you're late. It's, but while I was talking to the guy in front of me, I didn't see the one in the back. He just came from the back and slapped me in the face. My glasses flew in one way. I went to the ground. I said, let's play the crocodile. Now I'm chasing it. I just need to breathe, you know. You don't want to be the dad that your kids knocked out one day. So I had to stop that quickly. So I laid down. And since that day, we stopped that game. But I love my children. <laughs> See, in spite of this, this the huge task, the heaviness of the day, getting tired, we're talking about those presidents. They had time for their kids. They find pleasure with their kids, no matter what the day was. It's a privilege to be loved by a dad like that. Some of us didn't know that. It's hard to relate to those things. Some of, those, some of us who knew that, they know what it is. You cannot change that. That's precious. But I got good news for you this morning. That we have a father in heaven who loves us. And who, to whom we have immediate access to. You can access not just when he's sitting with you, but all the time. The text we just read. The word father is translated pater. And I think Pastor Aaron is going to talk about that in very long and detail. In Aramaic, in Jesus' language, that word means Abba, which looks translated as Pater, which means actually Daddy, Papa. The idea of God being a father is going deep in the Old Testament, where God himself wanted to be the father of his people. He told Nathan to tell David and say, he will, I will be his father, and he shall be my son. In the prayer, Isaiah, the prophet says, you are our father. Jeremiah could say and pray to the Lord and say, uh, he heard God and he proclaimed to Israel, 
that God said, you shall, be call, uh, you shall call me my father. I shall not turn away from following. You, uh, you shall not turn away from following me. So, in spite of all those references in the Old Testament, it was kind of a shock to those people. Remember, Jesus was praying in a certain place. It's not that the disciple never prayed. But they just felt that the way he prays is different. There's something weird about him. When he prays, it's not like us. We go and bow and do whatever they did in that time. Jesus has a strange way to pray. And when they came and said, teach us how you pray. I said, when you pray, say, Daddy, Papa, hallowed be your name. That must be, they were like, are you sure? Are you sure you're saying what we think that you're saying? That it's hard enough for Jews to say the name of God. So they had to cut it and change it. Instead of Yahweh, they called him Adonai, the Lord. Because it was hard to pronounce even your name. And you go and tell us that we can call him Daddy? What strange thing is that? Jesus at that moment revealed them that they could go to a deeper level of intimacy, a level that they didn't know before. That relationship between a real father and his children that allowed them to call to say, Papa, Father, Dad, give us, forgive us, lead us. All those intimate things. It was something new. It's that level of intimacy today that we want to explore. The relationship between God and his children. And the question we want to ask this morning is, God is our father. What does it mean for me? And how should I respond to that? So the topic, the theme of our message is, knowing God, the father's pleasure in his children. See, in Jewish tradition, the father was expected to be the source of provision, the person who disciplines and sets moral standards. Some dads just did that portion. Discipline, like my dad. But most of all, they had to love their children and find pleasure in them. The father was expecting to set the standard so high that the children will always try to please him. Remember Isaac? When he wanted to bless his children, Esau, he asked him, go find me a, something, a beast in the forest, so I can eat, then I can bless you. He couldn't he could have done that without that, that animal. But he had to make things complicated. Go in the forest, run! Then I will bless you. That was the standard of the father. It was an imperfect way to show the people, to remind them that God is their father. And they have to please him every day. So let's focus on that element of God's fatherhood. As we continue this series, Knowing God. First thing I want to talk about is God is my father. What does it mean for for me. The first thing Jesus reveals to the, 
to us is that God is our Father because He loves us. That was the Father. He loves us. This is not some selfish love like we usually do. I love these kids because they always bring me tea every morning when I'm in a bed. I love these kids. I love my kids because they listen to me. No. God's love has no because of. It's a sacrificial. It's a love that seeks eternal good. The Bible says in John chapter 3 that God so loved the world that he gave. He so loved, there's no because, but he gave something. Second, he gave what? Something eternal that whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. Something that stays forever. I usually try to to remind myself because I buy Legos sometimes to the kids. And the day I step on it during the night, I think, of, okay, I, I have to take it away. God's love is not the same. He gives you eternal life. I just have two comments. I don't want to extend too much because this is what he's going to talk about. Two things about God's love. The father didn't start loving me because I did something exceptional. From all the things that I was praying about, this is one thing that the Lord put in my heart to share with you this morning. I didn't earn it. I did not deserve it. I will never be able to pay for it. He started loving me not because of who I am, but because of who he is, the Father. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 verse 8. I know some of you may be struggling with guilt or the things that you did or the way you handled your family. Some parents can look at the kids and say, this is my fault. The way he turned out. Are you one of those persons? I want to tell you this morning that before you became the person you are now, God loved you before. God loved you before your mistakes. And he still loves you, still loves you today. God loves is not depending on what you became. He loved you before. And my prayer that you may receive this in your heart. And know that God loves you. And that love wipes away all our guilt. You should feel that you're in the presence of one who loves you. I know you cannot compare. You cannot compare it to anybody here. You step on me on the toe, you'll know. I will remind you two weeks ago, two weeks next after that, that you know the toe that you did. <laughs> God forgets about that. He loved you before you realize who you are now. Before your mistakes, before all you did before, the wrong decision you made. God loved you before that. But that love is just not in the air like this. The second thing I want to mention is God's love requires a response. 
Not that knowing God never, is never been, has never been something passive. That, oh, we know God. It's something here. No. In the Bible, knowing God has always been associated with an action. A response. God himself did that. He loved the word that he gave. Something. And this is the response. It's not enough to know God, the love that God loves you. You have to respond to actually live that love. So how do you respond? If you have never been a Christian, you never accepted Jesus, the love of God calls you to come in his family. All of us, we have been, we have been away from God. The Bible says that there's no distinction. We all sin. But there's one way back to the Father. is to respond to this love. The Bible says that God manifested his love by sending his Son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish. There are different religions in the world. Not knowing God is a problem. They think that they have to earn it, to work for it. There are some religions, I don't want to name the name, but you know those ones. That they say God cannot be associated with man. He's so holy. He's so far away that in order to kind of get close to him, you have to do these rituals. And they say, in fact, it's not everybody who's going to succeed. What depressing religion is that? It's rules after rules after rules. God is beyond that. Have you ever been trying to love God, trying to please Him by what you're doing? That's not the way. The way is to accept Jesus. That's the way, by faith. God's justice requires that everyone who has sinned dies. But he requires that, that if one has paid the price, all people that are associated with him will be saved. He's going to talk about it. And that's Jesus. He pays. One person, from one person came the sin in the world. From one person, the word is saved. And that's Jesus Christ. At the end of this service, I want to give you the opportunity if you have never accepted Jesus. Really, I'm not just saying, saying the word so that the friend who brought you here feels good. No, that in your heart you have made the decision to follow Jesus. We can have time to pray for you and with you. But what's the response for those of us who have been following Christ all this time? If you're already in the family of Christ, your response is to please, to work in a way that's pleasing to the Father. Which leads me to the second point. God is my Father. I will find, he will find pleasure in my life. While God's love is unconditional, His favor is only on those who are pleasing to Him. When we first came in here from Germany, I really wanted to have, we both wanted to have our driver's license. So I had the German driver's license, and my wife wanted to have, few, uh, she, she had to take the exam. 
So our French, uh, the, the community around us, they say, you know what? No African has ever passed the driver's license, the first attempt here in Winnipeg. It has never, never happened. You better go in the villages and try to pass that. Uh, that's a tip, actually, if you go to the village. <laughs> I charge five bucks for that. Business. <laughs> anyway, they wanted us to go in the village and do all that. Some, some, there was a lady, she looked at me and said, you drive, you have a, dri- a German driver license? There's no need to, don't even look for a job here. Just take your car. Now, we know we, we drive good in Germany, right? Those autobans, we're good. <laughs> so they say, don't even try. Just take your driver's license, pass it, be a taxi driver, because, you know, before you get in the IT field here, it's going to be so tough. And I had a colleague of mine, we studied together in, in Congo. She came here, she, she actually switched job. Because she didn't even try. She heard that, oh, computer science. You did computer science in Africa. You come here. Don't even think about it. Give up. Go take care. I don't know what she's doing now. She didn't try. Because everybody before never tried. Never succeeded. So we prayed. Irene and I, we prayed about this. It's part of the fear that we had. You know, she went to pass her test. She passed the, drive, the, the written test. She passed, first attempt, the practical test. She had the driver's license on the first shot. And when we came here, yes, when we came here, I came with my German papers and everything. I studied from Africa. I po- they told me that to forget. I took all my papers, prayed for it, sent to Manitoba, statistical, whatever department was that. They validated everything. They say you have the same level as uh, even higher because there's no engineer in software development here. I was one. Say you actually pass most of that of people here. You get your papers here as an engineer in software development. One month later, I got a job here. That's the thing that God does. When you're pleasing to him. Doesn't matter how many people fail before you. When God's pleasure is on you, you will succeed. I was hoping an amen, but I know you did that. You said that in your heart. Okay. It doesn't matter how many people fail before you. When God is pleasing with you, you will succeed. God's scale is not like ours. We want to do practical things, do this and do that, thinking that we're going to please Him. God's standards are way above that. And you really want to please God. When I was younger, I thought I was close to being the lead of uh, prayer team, the intercession. That was a big thing in Africa. I thought by being in that level, God's anointing is going to fall on me. I'll be like Peter. If I walk close to the sick, they get healed by my shadow. So I was doing it on purpose because I knew it was coming, so I was trying testing. 
but he's not here. I was praying that, I will think that, because when you get to that point, you have to be faithful. You had to pray. They had to see your commitment. I had all that, and I thought, that is what God wants before he blesses me, he gives me anointing. I felt like as soon as I get to that position, I'll be anointing to the thief. You know, you smile to the people, the demon is gone. That's what I, I thought. <laughs> Could happen, but you know what? It never happened. Because <laughs> the war broke out in Congo. And the whole thing got dismantled. And oh, that was awful. And I thought, oh, I will never have God's favor because I didn't get to that position. And one wise man told me the highest calling that you can ever have in your life is being not a pastor, not a lead of intercession. Face it, a guy with that level of ego and that low level of humility like me at that time, not so good. So as I said, it doesn't matter. It's not your title, not your position. Your highest calling is being a son of God. That's the highest that you can be. And the favor of God flows on his children because they are pleasing to him. This is what it's all about. I have a word for you this morning. Psalm 147. It says this. His delight, God's delight, is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. I have a word for those here who are facing some issues. The Lord told me that you're facing in the week to come. You know that there's something. Either it's a court or some dispute that you have to deal with. God is saying, it's not by your preparation that you're going to win. It's not by all the things that you're trying to make so that you can win that process or whatever dispute you have that you're going to win. The Lord says, it's because you belong to him. Your victory is being a child of God. That's your victory. And I have another word for those who have been dealing with their managers and their leaders, supervisors and people like that. You know, I'm being a supervisor, manager myself, I know what it is. You know those supervisors, we love them. My wife is supervisor too. <laughs> we love them, the supervisor. It doesn't matter how much you curse them. The next day, they're in the office. You can do whatever you want. Say, my kid is sick. You say, yes. You come and check on his desk. He's not there. Oh, man, that's a good day. But before you turn, the manager is there. Those managers. Hmm? But the Lord says, it doesn't matter how much they hate you. Your success and promotion will come because you belong to him. And if you're a manager like me, you know what people are thinking about, you know, when they look at you because you were there. Sometimes they look at you so bad that you know exactly what they're thinking. You know what they're thinking. 
All managers are stupid. They don't know nothing. You know, all those things. You even forget how to walk. You stumble everywhere because you know exactly what they're thinking. But the Lord says, look at this, Proverbs 16, verse 7. When a man's way pleases the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. Your promotion comes because you belong to God. Uh, you make your ways pleasing to. So, what brings pleasure to the Father? How is the download so far? We are 80% done. First, the fear of God. Luke says, Father, hallowed be your name. Let your name be holy. This is a reverence and respect to the person we are talking to. Those who fear God get his, their ways are pleasing to him. In practical way, how do you please God? How do you fear God? Is making your life, adjusting your life to what God just said to you. It's not something that's just crazy, shaking before God. God tells you now, pray. You pray. That's fearing God. Making your decision. You could say something. You know you're right. You could have said something. God said, don't. And you stop right there. That's fearing God. Fearing God is, instead of making your own decision, taking your own vengeance, you leave it up to God. This is a practical way of doing that. I know these days we love words. You know, we have all those buzzwords. And we forget the meaning of those things. Fearing God is just giving up what you are to do what God says because you respect his decision first. If the Bible says, don't, don't lie, don't steal, even when everybody is doing that, you will give up that position because you know what God says. This is the practical way of fearing God. Next thing, faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please him. When you walk into faith to God, God is pleased with you. Remember, faith is not being stubborn. Okay? I just don't want to do... I have faith that God, it's not going to rain today. God didn't say that. He wants to bless the farmers. Being stubborn is not having faith. Faith comes from what we hear. What we hear comes from the word of God. That's faith. Third thing, repentance. Humility to admit that you were wrong. If you are right all the time, you got a problem. If your manager is always wrong and you're always right, you got a problem. God says, do I, do I find pleasure in the death of the wicked? Rather than he should turn from his ways and leave. Last thing, humility. When we ask God, lead us not into temptation, we recognize that we need help. You know that prayer 
when you pray for something, it pleases God. As a parent, I want my kids to come to me and ask me strange questions. Even those ones. Not those. Those. You know, how do you, where are the baby coming from? You know those questions? I want my kids to ask me that. It pleases me that they ask. Praying is an act of humility. You depend on God. Let's pray for it. That God, it takes God. Even when he's going to say no. But he's pleased that you asked. So this morning I just unpacked this quickly. To tell you that God loves you. What he expects is a response from you. That you make, you adjust your life so that you may receive the full benefit of his love. And that through the fear of God. Through faith. Through repentance. And humility. I know some of you have been struggling. You have issues that you want to get done. You want to get resolved. And God is saying to you this morning, it's not by might, not by power, it's by my spirit. As you're pleasing God, his spirit is going to flow in your life. Do you want that this morning? Do you want that in your life? Download complete. May God bless you. May God bless you so much that your ways are going to be pleasing to him. Amen.